0: thanks for checking out the ideal impact podcast where we discuss five key skills and the impact they can have on your life as well as some major issues in society you ready to get after it Welcome to the episode number two, where we will be discussing how the ideal skills can have a profound impact on your life. So we're going to learn to leverage intentionality, discipline, emotional intelligence, accountability and loyalty. So on today's episode, we have co-founder of Ideal, Kyle Wakeman, which is me. So I'm excited for Randy to Randy and Brian here to go ahead and dive in and get started on episode number two. So I'll turn it over to you, gentlemen
1: hello what's going on bud <laughs> Well, oh, you right. know
0: down here in texas i hear you guys are uh getting snow today and i'm looking out the window and it's 75 degrees and sunny when we're done i'm probably gonna take a post walk or a post dinner walk uh out by the lake i don't know i don't know about you guys uh it's well,
2: it 38 was, degrees and snowing
0: and it was 78 <laughs> and
2: sunny yesterday yeah so yeah. <laughs> when we're done with this i'm probably gonna go outside and maybe build a snowman
0: so what you're saying is I shouldn't come back to Ohio. Is I would not, what, is I would not okay. come back to Ohio. Roger. Got it.
2: All right, Kyle, we're going to kick things off. We're going to get this started. So why don't you share a little bit about who Kyle Wakeman is? Where are you from? What was your childhood like?
0: So yeah, so I was born in Newport, Rhode Island. So pretty cool to say it's a tiny little state and Newport is absolutely gorgeous. So I still have this deep sense of connection there. I lived in Rhode Island for three years to start my life. And then I moved to Delaware for a year and then back to Rhode Island. I lived in Connecticut for four years and then upstate New York for one year and then finally settled in Ohio. So my dad was in the Navy, bounced around a lot as a kid, which it was really cool looking back on it. I got to live in some really cool places. Like Newport is absolutely gorgeous. I, I highly recommend for everybody to go visit at least once. But it gave me a lot of life skills. Like I said, you, you get to connect with a ton of different people. You get to make friends quickly. I was an only child, so no siblings. So I was kind of forced to build quick rapport with people. So again, looking back on that now, it's definitely interesting, even though at the time it was really hard. So how many schools did
2: you go to? How many different schools did you attend in your young academic career at that point?
0: I've counted this out at one point, and I, I don't remember. So I went to preschool in Delaware, I think. No, I went to kindergarten. Yeah, no, I went to preschool in Delaware. I went to kindergarten in Rhode Island, and then I went through first, second, third, and fourth grade, all at the same school in Connecticut, fifth grade in New York, sixth grade at the elementary school in ohio seventh eighth and ninth grade at the middle school ridge and then finished out 10th 11th and 12th at mentor high school so all right it was it was more than a couple (laughs) yeah it was a lot of moving around but again i think that made those transitions to like new schools and everything it made it easy like i had done it so many times before you know a lot of people have anxiety going from elementary school to middle school or middle school to high school for me, I had done it so many times, it really didn't matter. And again, being an only child, it was awesome to be able to quickly build friends and create those relationships when I did move to a new place. So super impactful on me. The When we got to Ohio, so the reason that we came back to Ohio, so again, my dad was in the Navy. My mom was originally born and raised in Cleveland. She met my dad when he was in the Navy. They were on a Great Lakes cruise. So the Navy used to send a couple ships and they would cruise the Great Lakes as like a uh, PR thing, I believe. So my dad and mom met at a bar when he was here in Cleveland and and they've been together since it was 1985. So, yeah, a little bit before I was born, they've been together. So it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I graduated mentor high school in 2005, went to Lake East. Lind. So I I keep confusing that it's been so long, but Lakeland Community College is local community college there in in Cleveland and then transferred to Lake Erie. So I, I got my bachelor's degree in business administration from Lake Erie, which was an amazing experience. Like College was a ton of fun, but looking back on it, I spent $85,000 on a degree, which basically did nothing for me other than give me like some of my best friends. And so I obviously can't regret that, but it also put me on this track that I'm on now. It, I ended up, causing me to figure out how am I going to pay for $85,000 in student loans. So I joined the National Guard because they were offering student loan repayment. And then I got home from training. I ended up getting a job at Lowe's making 11 bucks an hour to do home delivery, which was actually one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had. The pay sucked, especially with $85,000 in student loan debt. I remember getting my first bill. It was $1,000 a month was my student loan payment. And I got that, and I'm making 11 bucks an hour at the time. And I open it, and I, I wanted to cry. I call them immediately. I'm <laughs> like, hey. I'm like, I don't know how you expect me to pay a thousand dollars a month. I'm like, I'm, I'm broke. So I had to navigate that entire situation. And then I was lucky enough to get into a really good employer where I spent 11 years total. We'll get into some details with all of that, but. At the time, it was amazing. Um, even though I wasn't making much money, I was got a little bit of a raise from that $11 an hour. I was lucky enough to at least have a steady income and benefits and all of that stuff. So that was a huge impact on me. And that you know experience in my corporate career is, is what led us here to ideal and everything that we're doing with that
2: awesome i did the uh home delivery job too and that was like my favorite job as well that's like it, i got paid to work out that's how i looked at it I'm, like i get to carry all this stuff i'm getting a workout in and i'm getting paid for it that's yeah. something
1: i didn't know about both of you i didn't know <laughs> yeah. both of you worked
2: there well, I, I didn't work at lowe's and do it i worked at men or lumber and did it uh, yeah yeah okay. so, so i was i was, I was
0: doing there. yeah and i was doing refrigerators stoves washing machines up and down stairs and everything yeah it was a great workout but that actually and ended up getting me in trouble not in trouble but in the guard I ended up missing out on a deployment because something I said on our our what was the the health exam the PHA? PHA yeah yeah the PHA so we're like we were very first into that unit I mentioned something about my back hurting from that and it ended up I got on profile and we had no idea that that deployment was coming up like it was our first PHA. We had just gotten to the unit. I mentioned that my back hurts and all of a sudden I'm on profile. I'm flagged and I, I can't deploy. It was, uh, you know, we learned our lesson on that first PHA to be very, very intentional with the words that we were using and everything that we were saying. And that was something that you learned quick in the military.
2: Well, they were stupid questions. They'd be like, Do you have any aches or pains? And you're like, Oh, yeah, my back's a little sore. And then next thing you know, you're on profile and a dead man profile and you're not allowed to do anything.
0: Yeah. That's I'm a a, question. Yeah. And I was, what, 25 at that time? I think 24, 25. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 24. My back's a little sore. Yeah. We just got done doing basic training. We just got done doing advanced training. I played football in college. It, you know, yeah. I, I moved refrigerators up and downstairs. Sure. I have pain. Yeah. Well, apparently. <laughs> Apparently you're not allowed to say that my profile was crazy too. They flagged me and I was allowed to do everything. I could PT, I could, I could work, I could do everything. The only thing that I was flagged for was, was from deploying. And then by the time I got all that situated and cleared out, like they had filled the deployment and you know, it was, it was, it was what it was at that point. So.
2: Well, like you mentioned the guard and you mentioned the student loans. Is that the only reason why you joined? Did you have other reasons why you wanted to join?
0: Yeah, so that wasn't the only reason. It was the the reason that I joined the National Guard specifically. So my dad was in the Navy for 22 years and when I was a kid that was that was it. I I wanted to join the military and My dad specifically, I remember telling me, don't do what I did. Don't enlist. Like, if you ever join the military, go the officer route. It's such a better path. You know, it's a gentleman's course and all this stuff. So, yeah. (laughs) So I listened to him. Right. I, I went to college first. I got my degree and I'm like, all right, cool. Like I can get my degree. And I wanted the full college experience. Like I, you know, the partying, all of that stuff. I, you know, I, I was intentional about my college experience. It just wasn't the right intent. I didn't <laughs> care what I studied. I didn't care what my grades were. I I wanted to play football and party and I, I had a great time doing that stuff. But so I, I anyway, so I graduated from college. I, I did OK. I did better in college than I did in high school because I was paying so much money for it. So that was good motivation there. But I wanted to join the Navy and I wanted to become an officer. So I got done with school. I contacted a recruiter who hooked me up with somebody who was specifically recruiting officer candidates. So we had a little phone screening. And at the time, again, I'm playing college football. I'm 6'4". I was 250. I think at that time I played tight end. And he told me during this phone screen, he's like, well, you're, you're too big. So there was two things. He told me that I was too big. And I was like, well, I'm not naturally 250. I eat like 10,000 calories a day in order to be this big. And the other thing was, and he said, that was it. Like he basically ended the conversation, but he had also brought up in the past, like he asked me if I smoked weed and I'm like, Oh man, like, are they going to give me a lie detector test? Like what's going <laughs> to, are they doing a hair follicle thing? Which back then I had hair follicles and I, I, I told him the truth. I didn't panic. I was just, I'm like, well, I'm just going to be honest and say, yeah. I mean, and I didn't do it much. Like I played college football, we got drug tested. So I was honest. I'm like, yeah, I've smoked weed and at that point. Like, I don't know, maybe six times in my whole life. And he was like, no, but between the drug use and the and your <laughs> size, you're, you can't be an, you can't be an officer in the Navy. So I'm like, okay. So I went to the army, I went to the Marines and I took the ASVAB test. I tested really well. And then before I ended up signing any contracts, I heard that the National Guard was doing the student loan repayment and they accepted me into the officer candidate program. So I went with the guard and I was like, well, this is cool. Like I still get to serve my country and and do the reserves and then you know start focusing on building a career. Because again, a big concern at that time, even going into the military, was how am I how am I gonna pay this thousand dollar a month student loan payment? So this was it was a really good way to do that and ended up. <laughs> so they told us, and Randy experienced this as well. So they told us, well, we'll give you 50 grand towards your student loan. So I'm like, damn, like 50 grand out of 85,000. That's a that's a pretty good chunk, right? It is. Yeah. Well, what they didn't tell you was one, you can't be an officer because once you commission, you're no longer eligible for student loan repayment. Two, that the 50,000 was only towards federal student loans, which I did not have 50,000 of and three and four. So three was, they made like an annual payment and you had to fill out all of this paperwork every single year and yep. prove all this stuff. And then on top of that, it was taxed. So you only got like a percentage of it each year and it was taxed like crazy. So it was
2: taxed two times. Yeah. You had right. to,
0: they taxed it before they gave it to you. And then you had to claim it
2: as income and then it got taxed again. Which is right. awesome.
0: Yeah, so I ended up I think out of like the 50,000 that I thought I was going to get, I got like 3500 bucks. <laughs> so, so the purpose of joining from the financial aspect was definitely not the move, but again, I'm I mean, you know, a lot like college. If it, if it wasn't for doing that, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Randy and I wouldn't be such Amazingly close friends, we wouldn't be in business together. Uh, so, you know, to to ask if I regretted it, absolutely not. Not that you did ask that, but <laughs> I'm sure people are wondering, like, well, did you regret it? No, I didn't regret it. I, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have moved up the the ladder at the corporate job as quickly as I did. I wouldn't have learned, made the mistakes that I had, and and learned the lessons that I did. So, you know, I'm happy that I did it, but from a financial perspective, no.
1: <laughs> well. Kyle, you you talked quite a bit about your army career, your high school career. What do you do in your free time? What do you like to do? Do you read?
0: Yeah, so definitely in my free time. So I have a, a lot of hobbies, probably too many to actually be very good at any of them. I read every single day. So that's that's part of my daily habits. And I started tracking my reading. At the end of 2022, I can't remember the exact time, but I made a commitment when I was working. I was still I was working for a roofing company at the time with some really good friends of mine. And I had started this weekly accountability exercise with them. And one of the things that I committed to at the time was reading 10 pages a day. So I have read 10 pages a day every single day, at least 10 pages a day for I don't know. It's, it's got to be at least six months now. And so I have gradually,
1: yeah, what's that? So year to date, how many of you actually read? How many books have you actually read?
0: This year. So I'm on my, I just started my ninth book on Thursday evening after I wrapped up my eighth book and I am already 90 something pages into book number nine for the year. And And if you rewind and look at, I don't know, five years ago, Well, maybe a little bit longer than that. Six years ago, I I, you wouldn't have caught me reading a thing. Never. Yeah, no. So So that's a big one. Yeah.
1: So throughout these nine books and here and there in your past, what's the most impactful book you've ever read?
0: The most impactful book that I've read and it, it was just a recent one. So there's been a lot. I mean, my goal for every book that I read is to try to take one super impactful thing away from it, at least right. But recently I read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins and
2: carry the boats. Got to carry (laughs) the boats.
0: Who's going to carry the boats? You don't know me, son. So we, (laughs) we talked about a little bit of Can't Hurt Me and David Goggins and Randy's episode. But reading that book, really what it did for me was it changed my mindset on what I am physically and mentally capable of. I have pushed my discipline to an entirely new level. So I just wrapped that book up. That was book number seven for the year, so maybe three weeks ago or so, I wrapped that book up. And since then, I've been hitting my workouts twice as hard as I ever have. I've lost a considerable amount of body fat since then. My diet's been on point every day, all day, except for... One day a week, I, I do cut back and I let it, you know, I let myself lax a little bit. And even then, I'm still mindful. Like, I'm, I'm not just mindlessly eating. I'm enjoying the meal that I put in front of me at that point and the dessert that I have. So this week, it was chocolate chip, cookie dough, ice cream. I had a pint of that. And I think, <laughs> right. I, yeah. It's oh, yeah, yeah. I is this a like point. a cheat
2: day or is this a cheat meal?
0: So I do a cheat meal and then a dessert. So this meal was... <laughs> Callie took pictures of it. So we went to this barbecue place here in Texas and it was called Humphrey's. And I got a crispy buffalo chicken sandwich and no joke, I couldn't, I took one piece of chicken off of it and I still couldn't hold it to put in, like, I couldn't put my mouth on this thing. It was, it was, there was so much chicken and bread and cheese. It was incredible. Uh, So that was great. So I did that for my cheat meal and then I had the pine ice cream and I think like six cookies for dessert
2: man (laughs) it's a lot of
1: food
0: yeah he was was mindful though (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I was hey i i could (laughs) have i could have done worse i could have definitely done more i could have made it there were times i used to do a whole cheat day so i would eat like crap from the time i woke up until the time i went to bed and i've i've cut it back you know i've i've improved my relationship with food to stop (laughs) the binge eating as bad as it used to be
2: well yeah once you start eating healthy like that every day and then all of a sudden you have this cheat day like you feel like crap the next day so it's oh like yeah
0: weird. well even yeah today we were working out so Callie and i did our workout outside today and i'm, I'm training for this fitness test that, that i have coming up on friday so it's just a lot of body weight exercises and we did 10 sets of 10 reps on five different exercises and i was wearing a 10 pound weighted vest for that today and and then on the squats i was holding a 40 pound dumbbell which doesn't seem like a lot of weight, but after you do all those reps, it adds up. And I felt like garbage. And normally on those workouts lately, I've been killing it. It's I mean, I'm struggling from a, you know, endurance standpoint, routine. but I felt. Yeah, exactly. But I felt fine today. I got done with that. I came inside and laid on the floor on the air conditioning and I was just in a puddle of sweat. I was like clammy. And it was all because of what you just said, Randy, is it was the garbage food that I ate yesterday and, and <laughs> I got to get back what we were doing, we were working out on Sundays and then taking Monday and just doing a walk, which we need to get back to, because yeah, when you put all that crap in your body, you just, you feel it. And, right. and it's important to remember that food is fuel. That is true. So
1: before. going, I want to go back to that book real quick. You know, you said that you'd read it and at one point it made, made you think about all these things that you can now potentially do, you know, questioning your ability after you read it, did you relate it to anything in your past, like basic or any other achievement in life?
0: Yeah, uh, not an achievement. It's a regret. And that's a really good question. So I mentioned that I played college football. So I played Division II NCAA football at Lake Erie College. I was on the very first team at Lake Erie. So they were a Division II program, but did not have a D- Division two athletic program, but did not have a football team until 2007. So they had
2: equestrian though. They were they used to <laughs> rock at equestrian.
0: They, I think they still rock. The- <laughs> they, they still do. <laughs> yeah, they they, they were an equine school, and and at one point before they became coed, I think they were the were they the unicorns? I think they were the Lake Erie unicorns or some, some very they should have kept that name. Cause that name is <laughs> <a little bit. laughs>
1: <Yeah, some,
0: laughs> very not intimidating name, but so I'm kind of upset
1: that we don't know that living here in Painesville. Right. I've never yeah, heard of the you, unicorns. If you
0: go to the athletic center and you walk through, there's some stuff still in the trophy case. So
2: I can't say much. Cause I was a, a student Prince. That's what we were at my yeah, school. So we we're,
0: kind of were the storm. So like the storm was all right. We did field the storm, yeah, we did the storm warning when before we came out of the field. There's been a storm warning issued for Jack Britt Memorial Stadium. Me, <laughs> me, me. And me. Then you
2: guys would lose by like sixty points. And
0: hey, storm no, we were actually we were, we, were, we were pretty decent while I was there. So, but yeah, so anyway, and and going back before that, so that was I I transferred to Lake Erie in 2007. I was on their very first football program. I was technically they listed me in the in the program is like the first recruit, but no one recruited me. I just showed up one day. Oh, I was no, the first awesome person. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was the first person <laughs> to intentionally go to Lake Erie to play football. That's awesome. So yeah, I guess that's cool. But, and then going back that, so in high school, I played football as well. I was a wide receiver. Again, I was tall and skinny and I quit before my junior year. Well, I it was, I was in my junior year, And I have a ton of regret from quitting football. That was, it was, if I had to point at one thing that really changed my life and there's been many and there's been many other things, but this is something that I come back to often, but was quitting football because I was so, I was talented, but I didn't work hard, you know, and I didn't take it seriously. I quit football because of my girlfriend at the time, not, and it wasn't her fault by any means, she didn't pressure me or anything like that, but. I wanted to I thought I was in love. I thought I was going to marry her. I thought you know, and anybody who knew that relationship knew that that was the dumbest thing ever. But I quit. I regretted it. I you know, I I wasn't I never played varsity much because at Mentor it was it was a Division 1 powerhouse in Ohio. Right. Like Mentor is always loaded. Yeah, they're one of the best programs in the state always because they have so much talent to pull from being such a big school. And but I was I was good. I, you know, had a really good freshman year. I went into my sophomore year. The class ahead of us was completely stacked. 2004, they they were referred to as the class. You know, there was like articles in the newspaper about them. And so I didn't get much playing time when I was a sophomore blowout games. Like I played and then going into my junior year, I was, I was stoked. Like, I'm like, this is going to be it. Even though those guys in front of me are really good. Like I'm going to get playing time. And I got a little defeated because somebody that I personally didn't feel was better than me ended up starting and playing over me. So that was a big kick in camp. And then the other thing, so my junior year, I, I, got asked to suit up for jv which was fine i wasn't that wasn't a problem but i wanted to play wide receiver and jv because it was going to be a blast i'm like i'm going to play against these guys that aren't nearly as good as me they're jv and i'm going to smoke them right well i wasn't allowed to play receiver i had to punt that's why they wanted me to suit up for (laughs) for jv was just so i could go out there and punt right and again i had all of this in the back of my mind where you know i was i was real caught up in my girlfriend at the time And went out there on our first game Saturday. We're playing Glenville again. At that time, Glenville was another powerhouse program. Like a lot of guys that played in the NFL came out of Glenville. Ted Ginn Jr., Troy Smith, uh, Dante Whitner, I think, was was a Glenville product. And so I had to punt. Our gunner is wide open. And I'm getting yelled at from the sideline to snap the ball and throw it to the gunner. Now, I never practiced this, and I had definitely never thrown a football in a game before. (laughs) So I get the snap. Glenville, these guys are all over me. By the time I can even try to throw the ball, I'm getting tackled. I'm falling over sideways. I just, like, toss the ball up in the air. It falls incomplete, whatever. Again, this is a JV game. Well, I get reamed reamed on the sideline. And I was not emotionally intelligent at that point. I didn't understand all of the things that we talk about now. And that just was like the icing on the cake. I quit, never went back. Well, I never went back my junior year. I walked away. I tried to go back my senior year and my mind wasn't in it anymore because I had been away from it so long. And then I just, I had all of these regrets. I literally couldn't even like drive past Mentor Stadium for a long time because I would I would I would cry because of all the regret. So Lake Erie started a football program. So this is a perfect opportunity. I can go there. I can walk on and everything's going to be great. Well, I weighed 180 pounds. I was fast enough in high school, but not fast enough to play wide receiver in Division Two NCAA football. So they moved me to tight end. I had great hands. I'm like, cool, I can make this work. Well, one, I hated tight end. Blocking defensive ends and linebackers—it sucks. I didn't want anything to do with that. That's why I played wide receiver. I just wanted to catch the ball, <laughs> you know. So, and then I put on seventy-five pounds. So I went from one eighty to two fifty-five, and my body just fell apart. Like I had stress fractures in my shins. My knees were bad. My frame just isn't built to carry two hundred and fifty-five pounds, especially in How that kind of How fast did you put that on? That was in a year.
2: 75 pounds in a year?
0: Yeah, I, wow. I I did not know anything about nutrition. I ate full boxes of Swiss cake rolls. <laughs> I ate full pizzas. <laughs> I so this weight...
2: wasn't like muscle and good weight that you put on. You, you were eating Twinkies <laughs> and Ho
0: it was half. It was. It was. I would say half muscle. Like well, I mean, yeah, I you was... didn't
2: gain seventy five pounds of fat. I realized that. Right. But...
0: but but yeah, no, it wasn't a good seventy five pounds. It was. It was. <laughs> I. And it, but it, the worst part was at the time I thought I was yoked. Like I'm like, dude, you're two hundred fifty five pounds. Like you got pipes and all this. And I was. I look back now at pictures that I've seen. <laughs> like, my buddy's got a video of me dancing to like techno music outside of the locker room one day, and I'm like, dude, you were fat. Like you were. <laughs> You were fat. And I've seen pictures of my face and I've shared pictures like college and then compared to when I did 75 hard last year. And I'm like, I don't even look like the same person. I was I was so fat. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that that's that's a regret that I have. So that that mindset, I just never took it seriously. Like I never took football seriously, even though I loved it. I just relied on my talent. I didn't rely on discipline. I didn't rely on hard work. I didn't know how to push myself to my physical and mental limits. So I look back at that and I'm like, you know what I, and I started getting this mindset before I read can't hurt me again. This was very recently, but really that solidified that if this man can get off his couch at 295 pounds and shed like what it was something crazy, like a hundred pounds and like eight yeah, it was, weeks it was or, over hundred pounds. Yeah. And in order to join the Navy and then become a Navy SEAL, And then all of the things that he did on top of that, like making it through buds on broken legs. Like, I mean, the guy's just a testament to what the mind can achieve when the body quits. And that really like, had me think back to that. And I'm like, man, like imagine you were good. Now imagine if you didn't quit. And if you took things seriously and you were disciplined and you worked hard and all of, and you didn't just rely on talent, like imagine what may have happened. And again, now I've shifted my mindset a little bit where I'm happy with my life. I'm fulfilled right now. I have an amazing wife. I have amazing friends. So, you know, and maybe, maybe I played football continuously and maybe my senior year, I snapped my neck and I was paralyzed. So, I mean, who knows? So I'm not going to sit here and, and wallow in that anymore, but man, it just really forced me to dig deep. And like, now I'm, I'm running more than I ever have over the last like month. I'm I'm pushing these workouts to a new limit and I'm coming for that fitness test on Friday and and you know I'm going to this event very wealthy successful entrepreneurs very high level real estate investors people that are doing big things from like a podcast and personal coaching perspective and I'm like I'm not going to be the most you know wealthy person there I'm not going to be the biggest name I'm not going to be the best personal coach at this point but I can go in there and smoke that fitness test and stand out in that manner and make connections and add value to other people by helping them do the same type of things and helping them with their mindset. So that's my intent behind why I'm looking at it from a physical perspective right now and how that book helped me.
2: So what what is this fitness test that you're taking?
0: Yeah. So it was actually the five exercises that we did today. So the fitness test itself is called the GB9 and it is five different exercises and you get four minute or you get one four one minute breaks between each exercise so in total it's nine minutes and so that's why the go abundance nine gb nine so go abundance is the mastermind group that the the company of the mastermind that i'm in so burpees super planks which is like a dynamic plank which absolutely just smoke your triceps and then you move to push-ups so now you're doing push-ups you've already done burpees you've done these super planks your triceps are smoked so now you're doing to do push-ups then sit-ups and air squats so it's a and minute of each of those a minute of each of those and you get a one minute break in between each one
2: how many so times just you go as many reps
1: yet?
0: It's as many reps as you possibly can. So the way that it's scored is your total number of reps plus your age. So the last time I did it, so I just, the first time I did it, I did 187 reps and that was maybe two months ago. And then I did it last weekend and I did 233 reps. So a huge improvement. And then... Plus my age. So in total I scored a 269. I I don't think it's the highest score that's been done, but it's the highest score that I've I've seen put out there on the on the networking group that I'm a part of.
2: Nice. So you just do a minute of each one, as many reps as you can, and you get a minute rest in between each exercise. And that's it. Just one round.
0: Yeah. Just one round. And
2: maximum effort.
0: Yeah. Maximum effort and talk about digging deep on the discipline (laughs) when you're, you know, I, cause I'm pushing myself and I'm trying to push hard. By the time you get to those squats, that last exercise, your legs are smoked, you're, you're gassed, you're breathing hard, you're, you're wanting to drink water, but like, I don't want to put anything in my stomach at the same time. And it's just like, Hey, like this is my bread and butter. I can do more squats than any of these other exercises. So like, let's get after it. And I think the last time i did it so i did like 75 squats in 60 seconds or something i was just moving so yeah it's and again all of these things that we talk about i could apply all five and i did in a way my intent behind why i want to do so well in this test the discipline that goes behind it the emotions that go into it that's the cool thing about these skills that we talk about you can literally apply them to anything that you're facing in your life and you know that's why we're doing what we're doing is to help people do the same thing
2: that's a different type of workout too, man. That's like, that's not like lifting weights.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I don't weigh 255 pounds anymore. Yeah. I was
1: going to say when I went to the state high patrol Academy, we didn't lift a single weight. It was just hit trading day in and day out. And Kyle, I feel your pain brother. Cause that's, that is like Randy's saying a totally different workout, especially if you're not doing it consistently. And now you are, I'm sure it's still not easy.
0: <sighs> no, it's not easy, but I will tell you. So, think over the winter, I got up to like 220 and I just weighed myself yesterday. I was down to 207. So again, just being really in, and and that's just small changes, small changes on being intentional to my diet and pushing myself harder and changing up the type of workouts. I mean, I still lift weights with these like hit type workouts, but it's, I bought 40 pound dumbbells, 20 pound dumbbells. I have a 20 pound weighted vest and like a six pound medicine ball. And we've just been using that to just crush these workouts since we've got to Texas. And it's been awesome.
2: You don't need a whole lot. I mean, you think back when we were doing the what we were getting ready for that Murph. I mean, all we were doing is running squats, push ups, and what was the other one? Push ups, and
0: is...
2: it wasn't sit ups, was
0: it? Oh man, how are we blanking on the Murph? I don't know. <laughs> it's push ups, pull ups, and sit ups, or push ups, pull ups, and squats. That's it. That's it. Yeah.
2: And the, yeah. Mile, and the mile run. You run a mile before beginning the end. Yeah. With a 20 pound vest on.
0: Yeah, so what I, I, is- to be fair, I didn't wear the vest when we did the Murph. I, I did chicken out, um, and did not wear the vest, but I did, I did complete the workout, which was my goal. And we do need to do it again. And I will wear the vest this time.
2: I'm going to wait probably for my hip to heal up before I do that.
0: You might want to do that.
2: That was hard, man. That the 100 pull ups sucked. 100 pull ups with the vest on was not
1: fun. Yeah. So you, would you say that for all of our listeners and followers that they, these are absolutely things that they can start slowly incorporating into their daily exercise and kind of build off of?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't say everyone, because obviously there are people out there with certain like legitimate physical issues where they might need to modify things. But I think for most people, most people just don't want to make themselves that uncomfortable. Like, doing that stuff sucks. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. no way around it. I, I work out a lot. And I mean, there's points, I think on Friday, I, I walked almost three miles in the morning, up and down these Hills out here in East Texas. I ran like 2.3 miles in the afternoon. And then in the evening I walked like almost four miles or something. So I'm pushing myself right now physically, but these workouts don't ever get easier the intent of these workouts is to make yourself uncomfortable and to force yourself to grow. If I start taking my workouts easy, then I'm not getting any better. Right. And a lot of people that that's scary. And the other thing too, is you're going to, you're going to suck at it. If you haven't done it in a, in a long time, or you've never worked out, it's going to be horribly hard. You're going to be in extreme physical discomfort. Your body is going to hurt afterwards, but
1: you could that's either, of
0: it. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You could either do that and you could force yourself and you could grow. And it's not just a physical thing, right? There is so many benefits to exercise from a mental standpoint. If you can push yourself that hard physically then think about all of the other things that you can accomplish, right? Maybe there's another goal that you've set for yourself where it comes to, I want to start my own business. Well, all the same skills apply, right? It's going, you're going to suck at first. You're going It's going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be pains that come with it. There's going to be fear that comes with it. But if you can leverage your discipline and your emotional intelligence and control your mindset, then you can push through it. And the results are going to be incredible. It's the one thing, your body is the one thing that you have complete control of, again, for the most part, right? Obviously, certain medical conditions and all that stuff, but you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be anything other than discipline in order to have an outstanding, healthy physique, right? So I do think that almost everybody can do it, but they're not because we promote, the most garbage, you know, things in society, right? Like our, our diets in America are terrible. Our mindsets are terrible. Our, you know, look on exercises is almost negative as well in many ways because we're promoting, you know, there's this whole thing going around right now where you can't body shame people. Right. And this like body positivity. And I don't think you should body shame somebody. But I also think that there's a realistic expectation of what is healthy and what isn't healthy. And when you're vastly overweight, that shouldn't be praised. That should be talked about and saying, hey, like you need to get your life on track. And I also think that many of the you know chronic health issues that we see in society today, specifically in America, could be resolved with increased water intake a balanced diet and increased in physical fitness and it, and it and I'm not even saying like do the things that we do I'm just saying get out and walk like right, right. you know be active stop sitting in front of your TV stop scrolling social media stop playing video games and drinking pop or and you don't even have to stop all that stuff just cut back right. and add some I mean you should stop. if you
2: could stop 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 drinking pop like well if you,
0: you yeah sure you yeah. should yeah but, yeah. like,
2: I know people, I know some guys who are really into their their diet Pepsis, and they're always drinking those things. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> is, that, is that Mr. You'd Brian's
1: quick here? You'll be happy to know there's no pop in this house. So That's awesome. I'm glad well, that you stopped drinking. Yeah. Pepsi, so. Never thought it was going gonna to be a big concern, and now I've realized just how much it did affect me. It's the same conversation I had with my father. You know, he was a diabetic. I'm like, Pops, you got to do something about it cut the pop, cut the pop, started exercising, walking. He's no longer on diabetic medication. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a good, yes. That's a, yes. Right there. That's an amazing <laughs> point is like, just by making that change. Right. And people, they, if you improve these five skills that we talk about, then these things become very easy. You know, I, before I got down to Texas, I was drinking a lot of energy drinks. So I got in a really bad habit with that last summer when I was working for the roofing company, I was working all day out in the heat, you know, something that I wasn't used to because I was working a corporate desk job for 10 years. So I was pounding the caffeine really bad. Like I'm drinking at least one a day, sometimes two a day. And those things are terrible for you, even though they don't have calories, they have chemicals and the amount of caffeine is off the charts. It's ridiculous. So I... Was working with one of my coaching clients and we were talking about being more intentional with finances, right? And then he was drinking an energy drink at the time. We both were. I'm like, how many of those a week do you drink? Well, sometimes two a day. Think about just that. I know it's not a substantial amount of money, but it's a start. And let's start being intentional by cutting it back. Do you just cut back two a week? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I get real tired at work and all this stuff. I'm like, I drink one of these almost every single day. If you ask me to put it down for 30 days for a month, I will I will do it. No question, too easy. And we made that commitment and I think today is 29 days since I've picked up an energy drink. And awesome. it's just it's just simple. Like it's just discipline. Put it down, stay away from it, don't buy it and then take that money and start putting it towards something beneficial. Like you want to start a business, there's plenty of ways to get that money for it. You just have to be disciplined and intentional with where that money's going.
2: That's quite a bit of money too. You figure those are like, even if it's like three bucks a drink and you're drinking two a day, that's six bucks times seven days, 42 bucks a week on energy drinks. Yeah, I mean, that, that adds up quick. It's like people that smoke. Same
1: that's a brand. tank of fuel. Yeah. People, people, people complain about fuel prices. That's a tank of fuel. Right.
0: Yeah. It's a tank of gas. But then if you take it a step further, well, at the end of the year, take that money and invest it into something that makes you 10% right and then you take In, that habit, it into, uh, energy drink yeah <laughs> or invest it into yourself <laughs> In, invest it into yourself and and hire a you know a, a coach that's going to help you with your mindset you know
2: uh, like ideal coaching <laughs> like ideal, ideal coaching. coaching yeah, yeah. but
0: but yeah i mean it's just a matter of and i i mean i think that's just a societal issue right now where we just lack discipline we're we're force-fed bullshit through advertising and video games and we take the easy way out and I mean we're all guilty of it right like I slip into it from time to time I was a I was a horribly guilty of it for a majority of my life and then I I got intentional and I pulled my shit together and and here we are now and and you know trying to help other people do the same thing
2: right I mean I think it's real interesting that you just said people look for the easy way out and then you see like all these these like things out there where it's like oh if you could you could put on this belt and it'll vibrate on your tummy, and then you'll have six-pack abs. <laughs> or uh, take this pill. And you're going to lose 100 pounds. You'll never have to work out. Or six-minute abs, or...
0: Yeah. Five, yeah.
2: five minute abs,
0: or the uh, gastro bypass surgery or gastric bypass surgery where you could just why, why would I go and spend two years doing a lot of hard work when I can just have the doctor do it for me? And then the best part is they don't understand that. Well, your stomach is elastic so that only it's temporary. If you continue to force feed yourself, that doesn't do its job anymore and you're going to gain all that weight. And I've, I've seen that happen to people personally. It's just no. Like, do the hard work. And and the other thing, too, with that is it wouldn't be such hard work if it wasn't for the food in our society, right? Like, the cheap food, for the most part, is crap. It's full of garbage, processed chemicals, and now this all thing with the seed oils. And I haven't studied that much yet. But that's, again, it's easy. It's easy to go to McDonald's and grab that. It's it's a lot harder to go home and cook yourself a healthy, nutritious meal with whole foods. And it's hard to even... Get Whole Foods at the store sometimes because everything is full of crap. And it's like you get natural peanut butter and then you look at it and it has palm oil in it. It's like, well, that's not a natural thing that happens in peanut butter. I want peanut oil. It should say peanuts. That should be the only thing in your peanut butter, really. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I mean, weird. look at the
2: cost of this stuff, too. You go and you buy crap food and it's so much cheaper than going and trying to buy healthy food.
0: Yeah, that the, the little jar of whole, like all natural, truly all natural peanut butter is wildly more expensive than a big thing of like Jif. But right. I would, me personally, like I look at my my physical health and I look at that as an investment. So yeah, it's a little bit more expensive and I, I get it. Like other, people, you know, not everybody is in a financial position to do that. But then well, don't eat as much of it. Right. Like if you're not able to buy all of the healthy things, do what you can. And there are ways around that. Like you can get your protein. You can do all these things in a a cost effective way and build up to that. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's just again, it comes back to taking that easy way out. And I think it comes back to like the military thing. Like we're lowering the standards. Well, why would I join the military and do all that hard stuff when I can play Call of Duty in my mom's basement, you know? (laughs)
1: So what it all comes down to is whether they have a gastric bypass surgery, which costs them a ton of money, or if they have the drive to eat healthy and spend a lot of money. In the long run, discipline depicts what has the outcome. If you have the surgery and you're not disciplined in what you eat and you start eating crap again, it's not going to work for you. If you're doing the workouts and you're eating healthy, but you don't have the discipline to stick with it, it's not going to work out for you. So at the end of the day, discipline is where it's at. Yeah,
0: it all comes back to that mindset. Yeah, that was a great point. Yeah, one way or the other, it all comes back to the mindset. Either that's going to be a really temporary solution or you're going to use that as motivation to find that discipline and keep that weight off in the long run. And unfortunately, most people that go through that experience, I'd be very willing to bet they weren't disciplined before. Right. So why the hell are they going to be disciplined now? Unless you're <laughs> you're doing something intentional to work on that discipline, chances are you're not going to do it.
2: The surgery sure. doesn't fix your mindset. The surgery just... No. Is a temporary fix. You still have to change your lifestyle,
1: right? You're, you're absolutely right, and I'm sure there is a small number of people out there that are like, oh my gosh, I just spent thousands of dollars to have this surgery, and I, I really need to stick with it. And for some people, it probably drives them, but for the other person, there's no guarantee.
2: Well, I no. mean, I agree with what you're saying, but you're also like, surgery is risky. Like, sure, things can go wrong. Like, I have, uh, I have a family member who, who passed away after gastric bypass surgery. So, I'm not saying that that was the stem from it, but Anytime you go under the knife, it's not like you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Anything could go go wrong. Sure.
0: Yeah. And, and what is the what is the mental and, um, you know, or I guess we'll say mindset advantage to that. It's it's teaching you that there's an easy way out. Right. It, it's not in my opinion. And I'm not judging people that do it. You know, by all means, you guys, you know, I am very big on live and let live. If that's what you want to do, please go ahead and do it. I'm not. Trying to preach to anybody, it's just I'm talking about my opinion in my life. If I were in that situation, I would fix my mindset. You have to fix your mindset first and then start working on everything else because with the wrong mindset, nothing else truly matters because you're going to go right back to those old habits and especially discipline. Like it takes a lot of discipline to create new habits, create a new lifestyle and actually make long-term progress and achieve the level of success that you set for yourself.
2: Well, you, you look at our country and we're, we're probably the most obese country in in the world. So how do you, how do you fix this mindset? You're talking about discipline and you need to fix your mindset. Like what would you do first to help address this problem?
0: (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) everyone is required to read can't hurt me. And you have to listen to Dave Goggins voice before you read it. (laughs) So you can read the whole book in his voice, (laughs) but that's that's, you know, I'm joking when I say that, but I, I do think that certain things like certain books, you know, I'm not saying they should be required because I feel like that's government overreach, but yeah, you know, that's a that's a big question. That is a very big question. And I think really right now what it comes down to in our society, and you see it all over the place, but just a lack of values. So one, obviously, going back and looking at our past and our history, our values haven't always been great, right? So obviously, in the United States, there was slavery, and even going on into the 60s with segregation, and and you know, even today, there's racism. So there's been messed up values for a long time. But if we look back, I think it's just progressively getting worse. So how do you do that? I think that's the key question, right? How do you get people back to good, wholesome values? And, and maybe not the same values that we used to have, but new, improved 2023 values where we can have actual conversations with each other, where we can hold each other accountable as people where we can be respectful, where we can agree to disagree, right? Like you don't have to agree with me, but I do appreciate when you are disagreeing with me that you treat me as a human being and you're respectful and you're kind. And that's how we start to make progress. So I guess talking through that a little bit, I would say the biggest thing for us as a society right now is we, we can't disagree on anything. There is a, you know, according to a lot of people, there is a right and are wrong. And there's no in between. There's no gray area. So they can't agree on anything. So un, you know, kind of unrelated to the question that you asked, but I think that's probably the biggest thing going on in society right now is we cannot healthily disagree. Everything is an attack. Everything is super far left or it's super far right. There's no emotional intelligence or intentionality when it comes to having a conversation. And there's way too much ego that goes into all of this. And in order for us to fix any problems, whether it's the lack of discipline in our society, whether it's the obesity problem, whether it's the extreme divisiveness and the racism, whatever you want to point to, it all comes back to a lack of values. And then it all comes back to a point where we just can't have a civil conversation with, OK, we have all of these problems. How do we actually fix this? And we look at it and you that's horribly rampant in politics, right? They can't have a conversation and agree on absolutely anything. So you have somebody do one thing for four years and then you have somebody else come in and flip it all upside down. And then we're right back at square one, if not in a worse place. So how do we fix that? I think if we can fix, how do we have actual conversations in order to fix issues that we face in society? And then what are some values that we can agree on that everybody needs to have as human beings and teach them to have those? Well, then we can start really making progress. But man, that's a massive issue to tackle. It's like, is that even possible? I don't know. And we've uh, talked about these, things, right?
2: These have become a huge ass yeah. problem.
0: Yes. Phones, social media. I think social media is a big driving factor as far as the communication issue, right? When you're on social media, I've dealt with it through Ideal, right? I'll make a post about something and people will, there'll be a lot of people that agree with me and the people that disagree with me typically i mean there are some that can have a, a legit conversation and that's what we're trying to promote but some people just attack me i've been called a racist i've been called a nazi and i nothing i've posted about has has anything to do with race or <laughs> anything it's like what are you talking about it's like can't we just treat each other as human beings and on on rogan's podcast he had dr phil on and dr phil had an experiment so there was Democrats and Republicans from a college and they were just attacking each other on social media and all this stuff and he brought them together and again they started that and he's like I'm just going to you each pair up and stare in each other's eyes for I think it was like 5 minutes or something like that. And after they did that they were like wow like we never even like looked at this person as a human being until now and that's because of the interaction through social media and the internet. You can dehumanize people very easily. It's it's I can call you or your profile, blah, 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 whatever. And there's no consequences for it. And I don't really think about how it makes you feel, right? There's no intentionality. And that's one big thing that I've posted about and I've tried to promote this is if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't say it on social media. Right. And I guarantee most of those people wouldn't say those things to someone's face.
2: Like, why would you? Like, I don't, like, you can get your point across without attacking somebody or calling them a name. or But they can't you can it, that's the problem it, it, no i'm you saying not. they
0: they can't because they don't know how to is because we've lost that skill is how i feel about it
1: so there was a, a scenario that i'm going to bring up here referring to my previous job and career but i went to a diversity training and at the time you know you you hear diversity and automatically kind of think race religion stuff like that right So we get there and it's in a large auditorium and every single one of us there, men and women are anticipating that speech about those things. And it was not, it was absolutely anything and everything to do with the generation of today. And when stopping somebody of this younger generation, how we need to talk to them and how we need to treat them because they've grown up in a world of social media. They rely on the likes that they get in their posts When they have negative feelings, it creates depression and anxiety and and further and further. This is is a huge ordeal, but I believe that when we went, we were basically told we had to adjust to, to the way of this new generation. You mentioned intentionality a minute ago. If we could all just teach maybe the next couple of generations, my children I'm raising, Randy's children you're raising, of respect, dignity, you know, kindness, we, the American people can change a lot more than our government can right now. And it starts with us. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. I mean, 100%. The government's not there to the the government, in my opinion, is there to keep us free. They're not there to protect us or to keep we have to do those things. Right. And I mean, is there some level to that? Obviously, yes, we have the military from foreign threats, all of that. But you nailed it, Brian. Like we, it's our responsibility to fix this. And I think that's another huge thing that's like lacking in society is we always want somebody else to do it for us. We're always looking for somebody else to save us in our society currently. That's not how it works. That, that's that if if you want the government to save you, good good luck. Like that's not, (laughs) they don't, they don't give a shit about you as an individual. No. No, they don't care. So you need to take, and that's, that's where it comes to accountability, right? we need to take ownership as a society and say hey shit's really bad right now we need to come together and actually fix it and randy you hit on that a little bit in episode number 1 it's like what is it going to take it, i i personally 100% agree with you i think it's going to take some sort of catastrophic cataclysmic event for us to wake up and be like oh shit like we 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 fucked up like it's time now we don't have a choice now it's time to fix it and hopefully we can we can not do that but you know hard times create strong men strong men create easy times you know easy times create weak men or how, you know that saying and i i think we're there right now like i think we're in that cycle because it is cyclical if you look back at history that is cyclical and it happens about every 80 to 100 years and if you look back to where we were 80 to 100 years ago maybe you didn't agree with some of the things that were going on in that period of time, but overall from a society standpoint, as the United States, we were pretty strong. And now <laughs> I, I cannot yeah. agree with that. I agree with you on that.
1: Absolutely.
2: I know as like a, as a teacher, like the education aspect, we talked about this in episode one, a little bit. It's like, these things aren't happening in school. Like even, even like we're talking about eating healthy, Well, like the first thing to go in education was health, like elementary school kids. They don't get any health education. They get, you know, your basic curriculum and then they get P.E. There's no time for health. So you have young kids who aren't learning these things. And I think maybe you get a semester of it when you get to middle school and then you do like an online course when you get to high school. So you're not getting a whole lot of education on something that's pretty freaking important.
0: Well, yeah. And it go, it's that it's a combination, right? It's a combination of the education system and it's a combination of the way that these kids are being parented, which is totally different for the most part from the way that we, our generation was parent, and it, which is crazy, right? Because it's our generation that are raising the kids right now. And for some reason, something happened in there where we were told that, you know, everything our parents did was wrong. And I'm not I mean, don't get me wrong, do I have plenty of regrets and things that I've done in my life that are fucked up and that I wish I wouldn't have done? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like I still think I'm I'm a pretty good person, especially over the last couple of years where I've actually started to take control of my life and you know live intentionally and and be all of these things that we talk about. And you know, that's just it's just not going on at home. So you have all of this, you know, lack of values at home, and then they come to school and you're not allowed to do anything at school for as a teacher, right? You know, the administration scoffs at you, the parents scoff at you. It's, it's, it's just, we're in a really, really, really bad spot right now. And I think as time goes on, everything gets worse faster. Like it's, it, it just keeps getting sped up. And a lot of that has to do with the technology that we talked about before.
2: Right. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm living in the wrong generation. Like I was born at the wrong time and I should have been born earlier and not dealing with all this crap. And I know it's only going to get worse for my kids. So I'm like, I want to fix it. And I, I think having an open dialogue will help, but I don't know. Like you said, I don't yeah. know if it's going to take some crazy catastrophic event. It's going to get everybody on the same page. Cause you feel like nine 11 was a pretty big thing. And I feel like we were united for a little bit and then it just went right back to normal.
0: Yeah. And I I think I think a lot of it has to do with we just need to teach people how to use things intentionally. Right. Like if I'm using social media, what is my intent behind it? If you're mindlessly scrolling and you're just letting yourself absorb bullshit and get caught into these like horribly, you know, emotionally unintelligent conversations, I'll say, then it's bad if you use it with a purpose to go in and say, Hey, I'm trying to promote a positive message. I want to connect with people and I want to show them that we can disagree and have conversations. Right. So, or I'm going on to, you know, I really want to learn about hiking or the specific thing. There are good things with social media. And I think when social media was, was constructed it, the intent behind it was good. Right. Like I want to connect people. The one thing I love about social media is I haven't, had any reason to go to a high school reunion because I, <laughs> I I connect with those people all the time that I want to talk to. Right. Right. So, you know, I think there there are a lot of positives, but it all comes back to intentionality and intentionality with the people that run that stuff. Right. Like, what are their intentions with it? And if you ever watch The Social Dilemma, I watch it. Ha- yeah. If you haven't watched it, watch watched it. Watch it. And if you have, you'll see the intent behind what they're doing and these algorithms and all the shit that they're shoving in your face on a day-to-day basis. It's all intentional. And now you have states like banning, I think it was Montana, I might or Wyoming. They're they're banning TikTok like in the state. Like, and there's there's reasons why they're doing that. And I right. mean, agree or disagree, I think that they they have the state and hopefully the country's best interests in mind when they're doing stuff like that but it's sad because we just lack the personal values by lacking values we're giving the government more and more control to make decisions for us because we don't know what to do
1: i have a six-year-old son that comes home and he'll tell me he'll do something and i said where did you learn that where did you see that TikTok?" i'm like what yeah you're six why do you why are you watching TikTok? i'm (laughs) (laughs) Thirty-eight <laughs> years old, thirty-nine years old, and I don't watch TikTok. Yeah, I don't That's know.
0: The point. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this one, but I—I I was just talking to, uh, to some other friends about this before we got on today. There, there's a Benadryl challenge. Some some kid overdosed on Benadryl because he saw it on TikTok, and not only that, but if you, if you as a, now our kids stupid, <laughs> ignorant, I should say, because they lack life experience. Yes, like we all did dumb shit when we were kids. I drove around throwing acorns at people out of my 95 Ford Escort. (laughs) Like we egged people, we drank, but nowhere ever would have crossed my mind to take pills or do Coke or like hard drugs or anything because my parents instilled specific values in me where I knew not to do those things. And I had seen the consequences of some of that stuff, right? But now, again, it comes back to there's no accountability there's no intentionality there's no discipline there's no loyalty to your goals your family your friends and all this stuff because and, and again i'm generalizing here but you know if those kids had these values chances are chances are they wouldn't do something that stupid and and again i don't know this kid i don't know the family and that might not be the case so again i'm generalizing but You see it more and more frequently now and and i think it's a combination of social media and and just lack of of values
2: well yeah they had the tiktok challenge like hit a teacher like run up to a teacher hit them and then run away and then you got like thousands of kids taking videos of them striking somebody and then running off well one you you did it on video dummy so you're you're gonna get in trouble (laughs) just posted it but like these tiktok challenges like like you said, like what is the intention of the of the people in charge of TikTok? Like this stuff is going up on your site and you're allowing it to be on there because it's getting a lot of hits, it's getting a lot of views, and they're gonna make money off of it.
1: Then you yeah, watch a video, and there's no like, accountability
0: there either. Like, no. would it just did, 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 does TikTok get held accountable for any of this shit? No. No, no. You see
1: the video the other day of the riots in in downtown area, and <clears> majority <throat> of the people are actually running to it with a phone in their hand. Because they want the likes from all their friends because they were right there to see it. They're putting themselves in harm's (laughs) way, and it's only furthering people getting hurt because, again, they don't do anything to control it.
0: No, they want to go viral. They want to get this cool video so they can go viral because it gives them a sense of fulfillment because they're lacking real values in their life. That's how they get their sense of appreciation and that they matter.
1: And I agree with you 100%. And I'm just saying that the platform itself is not doing anything to regulate, to talk, you know, stop yeah. this stuff. Local high school here had a fight page. Nobody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you knew the story. Right. You yeah. know, there was a, the school basically put together a fight page and they changed the letters in the in the name of the school. So you couldn't just search it unless you knew exactly what it was. But there were dozens of fights on this because yeah. they thought it was cool. But yet the platform itself, and I won't use the name of the platform, but the platform itself has to know that this stuff is going up. There's got to be some type of monitoring going on because they're banning everything else that they don't want you to see about government this or that. So why isn't that taken care of? That's it's a lot of views.
0: That's good damn. Yeah, it, yeah, it's marketing. It's, it all comes down to the almighty dollar. I mean, it's yeah. All if on that
1: focus group in which they're trying to hit that generation right now that is impressionable that they just want their product to be put out there and it doesn't matter who it's affecting.
0: Yeah, 100%. it's it's again it's sad i mean and again like i don't know i i i if it were me like if i were the the president of the united states right like i would say hey i we have a problem i don't know how to fix it but what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pull together the the most brilliant people i possibly can on both sides of the aisle and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna fix this shit And we're going to do it. And we're going to sit here until it's fixed, until we can come to some sort of agreement. We're not going to agree on everything. It's not going to be perfect, but we have to do something. And again, there's that's where it goes back to. There's no ownership in in the government, the government. Like, have you ever heard a president stand up and say, I that was my fault? Like, I, I messed up. And I'm going to do everything in my control to fix it and never let that happen again. Like, I'm just thinking I'm thinking Bill Clinton when you say that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like,
0: hey, listen, like, I, hooked I did up not this. have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> I hooked up with this intern. Like, that's not me. That's my bad.
2: No, he like, blamed her. He was like, that no, no, wasn't me. It was her.
0: Yeah. And I guarantee that he had a whole team of people telling him exactly to do that. And, right. and that's it's it again, like, and you're a kid. So think about you're a kid. And you're seeing the most powerful people in the country, people that you might idolize, right? There are a lot of kids that, that very, they look up to the president of the United States. And I know I did when I was a kid, like when I was wet at D.C. And in eighth grade, I was like, oh, my God, like the president is so cool, blah, blah, blah. Right. you know, and but you're seeing them do all the wrong things. They don't take ownership. They don't have accountability. There's a huge lack of emotional intelligence. Where's their fucking loyalty? Who knows where their loyalty is? Because it's really hard to say it's the United States at, you know, recently. So, you know, then you see this stuff and you do it in the same thing with musicians and athletes and all of these people. And in my opinion, the wrong people that we look up to as a society and they get away with it they don't do any of these things. So why the hell would I? And again, you see it all over social media too. Like these kids are looking up to guys like Andrew Tate. Like, I'm sorry. The guy's a douchebag. Like, I don't, I do you feel what he is. I mean, like he has said some good things and you know, I'm like, damn, that's a good point. And I like that, but the guy's a douchebag. Like I wouldn't want my kid looking up to fucking Andrew Tate. You know what I mean? So it's, it's sad. What
1: you're saying is like kids could be watching the current, President's offspring not being charged for smoking crack on video and stuff (laughs) like that, but and and nothing's being done about it. Yeah, there's accusations, and they're you're looking into it, and this, that, the other thing. But this was how long ago, and the guy's still walking around. Why would a high school kid fear getting caught with maybe some pot in his book bag at school?
0: Right. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, like pot's one thing. Let's not, let's <laughs> hey, not, hey, let's not you know, demonize pot. All right. No,
1: you know me. I'm just yeah. saying in high school, it is strictly forbidden. So yes. again, it's there's, against no, the rules. there's there's yeah. no reason to be like, Oh no, I better not do this. Cause
0: yes. And, and even, even though like I personally don't think there's anything wrong with weed or anything like that, there are still rules, like you said, sure. and, and that rule, if you have values, you will still abide by that rule. Like, even though weed is legal to smoke in certain states like you're in the military you you can't do it sure. and if you have loyalty and you have these values you're you're going to stick to that and you're going to place your mission as a as a member of the United States military first before doing that and you're absolutely right like when it comes to that whole issue with you know I'm just
1: saying I, and you know that I have a medical card so I'm all for yeah. it just like you are but in circum in certain circumstances it's either against the law still, or it's right. you know a policy of a business or in the school or whatever. That's all I'm getting at. But yeah, you know, I mean, well, there's a and, time and a place. There's a time and a
2: place. Exactly. Like, yes, and you I look at drink it, alcohol. I'm not going to get drunk and go to work,
0: right, right. or or drive or anything like right. that. And that that's a whole we do a whole topic on <laughs> alcohol <laughs> sure. and, and that. But it, the the other point that I was going to make is so that was a very good point. Obviously, with with the the current president's son. But then also look at this whole thing with Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. How can you be convicted of sex trafficking minors and stuff like that? But there's no who the fuck bought them. Where'd they go? Who are they sold to? Like, how, who are they trafficked to? And you know damn well, if you've watched any of the stuff behind that, people in very high places, former presidents, royal family members, billionaires all of these people were involved in that and it's like we want actual justice Ghislaine Maxwell serving the rest of her life in prison to me is not a, it's not enough that it's simply not enough to but where is the accountability that she's a scapegoat they're holding her accountable because they were forced to and there's no accountability for all of these countless i can't even imagine how many people were completely you know full involved in that but there's no accountability for that and again that's just another message that people are seeing in life well if i get rich then i can get away with whatever the hell i want I can right do Whatever
1: i want i do. can but I if you read your, all of it but if you read in your local local newspaper you know this guy was responsible for a shooting but then this guy who was an accomplice that drove the car and this guy who was the one that helped get the gun they're all round up yeah. right as they should yeah. be right but why not in the big picture why not they don't have something the money in such a scale that is affecting what is it about
0: money it all comes down to money it's the same issue like man damn maybe that should be my answer like what's wrong with society and and the best part is our money it's not really worth anything at the end of the day <laughs> like the 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 government just prints as much of it as they want. There's no, <laughs> there's no backing to it, right? There's no gold standard. There hasn't been for a very long time. So when you really think about it, you're doing all of this and, and living your life strictly for something that really doesn't mean anything. Like, I mean, I get it. Like it can get you freedom and I'm on that path, right? Like I'm, I have two rental properties and obviously like we're starting a business and I I get that you know, I get, we need money. It's unfortunately it's part of our society at this point, but at the end of the day, you die rich and who cares? Like at the end of the day, you're going to get forgotten. Like that's Mm -hmm. just a matter of time, whether it's within one generation, 10 generations, it doesn't matter. At some point you're going to get forgotten. Why don't you just live your life to the fullest and stop worrying so much about money?
1: Uh, Randy can probably recall this because i said it all the time as a kid i would say i don't i want to have kids young i wanted to be the dad out of out of high school like it was years and years ago you know people were like oh why do you want to do that well because i value my family i could have the most money in the world i could be bill gates rich they have no friends or family be the poorest bastard on earth i've heard Mm -hmm. a lot of people say it lately wealth is not measured by money it's measured by what people think of you if they come to you when they need help and ultimately I think that's what we're trying to accomplish here is build people up to make them realize their own potential and start spreading that.
0: Yeah, I, that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're and we're trying to really really help people realize that you can live your life by your design. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of work, but no matter the situation If you are willing to put in the work, you can get out of the situation that you're in, and you can live life the way that you see it, right? So, for me, right, like I had a I had a ten year, eleven year career in the corporate world, and I was broke at one point, right? I I had eighty five thousand dollars in student loan debt. I was making eleven bucks an hour. Thank I thank my parents for helping me through that time. I thank my ex-wife for helping me through that time. She taught me a lot when it came to managing my finances and controlling my, my spending and, and all of that stuff. So I, I thank her so much for that, but I kept, you know, I got into this job and I was making more money than I could have ever imagined. Randy and I were at drill and I, I got the call that I got my first supervisor job. And I went from, I, I got like a $26,000 a year raise. And that was just my base salary. That didn't include the, the much larger bonus that I was getting. And at that time, that was my only concern. My only concern was making more money so I could pay off this debt. And I wasn't some broke bum you know, <laughs> living off my wife at the time. So I was ecstatic. And then I got my next raise and my next promotion And I made more money and I started making more money than, and I, i mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I wasn't making some ridiculous amount of money, but I was making more money than I ever expected to make. Like I made over a hundred thousand dollars and that was way more money than I would ever expect to make. I I remember graduating college and be like, man, if I make 50 grand a year, like I'm going to, I'm going to be good. I'm never going to need another job or anything like that. And what happened in that time was it they became the golden handcuffs, right? Like I got myself into this situation where I was making a very good living, I was very comfortable, I had the things that I needed, but I was miserable. I was so horribly miserable. And a lot of that misery came from the, the feeling that there was nothing that I could do about it at that point. It's like, how are you ever gonna go? make this much money again. You're going to, how are you ever going to replace this income? Like you, you can't do it. There's no way out at this point. You're, you're in your thirties. Like there's no way you can go start a business. You're, you're stuck. And it just became this horrible, horrible, defeating, empty, overwhelming feeling. It was, and, and don't get me wrong. Like plenty of people have been in worse situations in their life. Like I'm sitting here complaining because I was making a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars. So I, I get how that sounds. So, but, but the mindset that at that time, like that wasn't what it was about. I didn't care about the money. I, I cared about the lifestyle that I was living. And so I did, I, I did care about the money, but I was, I was bound by it more than I wasn't using it for any sort of freedom. It was, it was a chain that was keeping me bound to something that I I was miserable in. Right. And it, it almost got me. It, it almost got me. I, I had those days. I had a couple, two, two specific times I can remember where I understood how people could get to the point where they took their own life. If you consistently live with that sense of emptiness, then I, I got it. I, I didn't plan it. I wasn't suicidal specifically, but I it clicked. And I was like, well, shit, I got to do something and I got to do it soon. Right. So then, I started getting my life together. I started, you know, okay, I have to be intentional with where I'm spending my time, with the people that I'm surrounding myself with. I have to be disciplined and push myself out of my comfort zone, because I would rather be uncomfortable than live a life at of regret. I sat there and I remember picturing myself as a as an old man, you know, like on my deathbed, and thinking if I stay in this career path at a corporate job that didn't provide me any sense of fulfillment, that didn't allow me to truly help people in the way that I wanted to help them, I it, was, it became my greatest fear. It, I, I couldn't imagine being on my deathbed and living with that level of regret and be like, you coward. You coward. You let yourself, you let comfort control you and you let fear control you. Do it. Do it now before it's too late. And then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm motivated, but what do I do? (laughs) I have no clue what to do or how to get myself to that point where I'm actually happy. And it took me joining that mastermind in order to really start this like, you know, cataclysmic event in my life. So I never wanted to join a mastermind. I thought it was crazy that I was paying to be a part of this group of people, right? But I got convinced to do it because, again, I was at a very low point. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's 500 bucks. I'll get it back. No big deal. Do it. What, what is there to lose? And that thing changed my life, right? I was finally being intentional. I surrounded myself with some, some very successful people through that group and people that I, I still am connected with. And I'm still a, a member of that group but at a higher level. And that got me on this path of, of being super intentional and being able to lead progressive, right? i had a great conversation with jamie gruber who runs that program and he's like first of all dude relax like you're fine (laughs) like you need to stop freaking out you're financially fine you have a you have a good wife like you're great relationship like you're fine but he's like what would you do if you could do anything money wasn't a problem you're not going to make money for two years doing it what would you do i'm like i love helping people develop as leaders and just develop personally that's what i love doing i do it all the time for free now so I'm not making money doing it now but i still love it he's like that's what you need to do you need to figure out how to do it he's like and he gave me some pointers and everything on that which is a lot of what we're doing currently but that one phone call really changed my outlook and said damn this is like this shit's possible like you know we we you know jocko willink was a huge influence on what we're doing and i'm like you know my mindset was i'm never going to be jocko Willink." well after that call, it was like, I don't have to be Jocko Willink. I can be Kyle Wakeman and, and Randy can be Randy Myers and Brian can be Brian Swick. And we can do something like what they're doing, but at a different level and on different pillars and all of this stuff, like let's get after it right there. So we did. And then I just really started getting intentional with being able to, I'm like, first of all, I got to get out of this W2. Like this thing is a massive roadblock to what I'm doing. Well, how do I do that? How do I leave a you know, hundred and, you know, sometimes with my bonus, it was, it was all over $130,000. It could have been that I was making. Well, how do I get out of that? All right. Well, we can sell Callie's car. That's $20,000 in debt. We eliminate, right? We eliminate $500 a month in a car payment. We purchase a rental property. We turn our house into a rental property. We move down to Texas for four or five months until we can buy our third property, which we'll live in for a little bit. And then we'll turn into another rental. I can rent my truck out on Turo and none of this stuff was easy. Like none of that was easy to do. I had a lot of stuff to figure out. You don't just do that overnight. But my mindset was one hundred percent of my control, and how I thought about that stuff was one hundred percent of my control. So I was super intentional. and I designed my life to be able to leave my w two job and take this risk. And I have zero, I mean, I shouldn't say zero. I have zero doubt of how my life will look in the future. But I, I, there is a lot of fear that comes with that. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of the imposter syndrome that comes through and it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, are you having a midlife crisis? Like Brian, Randy, and I talked about this before the call. It's like yesterday was a bad day. I had a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. But again, I realized that my mindset's within my control. So I had some really good conversations. I corrected my mindset and here we are doing something that you know, we we never, none of us ever thought we were going to be doing recording a podcast and, you know, and, and helping other people live their life the same way and be able to take the same steps and not live a life full of regret. So my advice to everybody is if you're going to fear one thing, like fear, regret, like I was so afraid to go broke that I sat in a career for 10 years and I got no fulfillment out of it. And I started imagining myself as like that old man on my bed and how much I would have regretted never going all in on something that would actually make me happy. And when you look at the big picture, we're all going to die. Like we talked about, we're all going to die. There's no avoiding that. And in probably one generation, no one's going to remember who we are. And like, I get that that's kind of dark and it might be like kind of deflating for some people, but it's the truth. So, you know, would you rather die after a mediocre, comfortable life full of regret or would you rather like be there laying, you know, laying on your deathbed and say, damn, like that that was wild. Like I, I did it. I took the risk. I, I, I accomplished my goals. And even if you didn't accomplish your goals, at least you didn't regret it. You did it. You tried it. You took the risk. So that's like my one biggest piece of advice is like you just you have to focus on your mindset and don't let fear control you. Because, man, I can't imagine being on my deathbed and, and just regretting my entire life.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a, an amazing story. And I know I know your story, obviously, because we're friends and. Uh, but like you went back at first, like you left your yeah. job and then you went back to your job. Talk
0: about fear controlling you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. And then you left again and it feels like like you're going to stay gone this time. But like yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people in the same position, like they don't like what they're doing. And they're just afraid to take that jump. So yeah. that's really good advice that you gave them.
0: Well, yeah. And the, the other piece of advice is there's so many ways to make money right now. Like now's the time to do it there. You can make money doing, you can sell feet pictures on the internet if you have to, <laughs> if that makes you happy and it gets you out of doing something that you're miserable doing, then I I mean, if you're of age and you're of, you know, sound mind, go ahead and, and do whatever it is that you need to do. But Yeah. I, I yeah, and, again, fear fear had played a lot of part of that. And I, I don't think at this point after going back and then quitting in five months, I, I don't think my former employer will welcome me back. for No, but, part, like, if part you part. had
2: to, you could go find something else yeah. that's similar to that position. So it's not like you left and could never find another job if that's something that you had to do. Like, yeah. people are so scared to take this jump. But, like, if I, if I left my job, I, I could eventually go back and find another job just like it.
0: Yeah. And it's going to suck for a little while, but at least you did it and you know that you can't you can do it. That was the be- best thing about leaving the first time is it just proved to me that I could do it, that I that I had the courage to overcome that fear and I could do it. Now, I ran back. But again, and that was a good point that you just made, Randy. It's like that's another that I should have made is. I lined up a freelance recruiting job. Like I have a job that I work 10, 12, 15 hours a week now to to keep money coming in. Now, I'm not going to make probably as much as I was at Progressive, but I'm making enough now that I've designed my life in a way to where I don't need as much money and I can still live the same lifestyle. And not only that, but I can because I don't have any bills. I have a cell. We have cell phones and my truck payment. That's it. And. Now we can do things that we want to do. I can go to camping in Big Bend, which we're doing in a couple months. I can go across the street and go fishing all day if I really wanted to. I could, I could, I can go out on runs and walks and workouts and whenever I want to. I I just move my calendar around. I move appointments around. I don't I block my stuff off. It's and again, I'm making less money than I have in a very, very long time. And I've never I, I'm more happy right now than I have been in. I I can't even tell you the last time that I felt this free and, you know, and it comes with its own set of stresses and fears and doubts like we mentioned. But man, that's part of being free. Part of being free is is there are going to be some really tough challenges that come with it, but I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: That's awesome. I think we accomplished the goal we set out to and really learned who Kyle is. Kyle, I think that you just shared the most powerful thing that you're trying to convey here is your your life story right now.
0: Yeah, man. There's a lot of small details and nuances that I'm sure we'll get into in future episodes, but yeah, it was awesome. You know, th- this is exactly what we're trying to do is is just share our stories and get people to understand that you can be at some really low points and you can feel like you're out of control of your life, but that's not the case. Your, your entire life is controlled by your mindset. And if you can fix your mindset, you can fix anything. And, and I know that that sounds crazy. And I used to think that that was complete bullshit until I did it myself. And that's what we're here to do is we're here to help people do the same
1: thing.
2: So you, you did share a lot of great stuff with us tonight. So to end this, like with one last question, like out of all the ideal skills, there's five of them. Which which one do you think is the most important? How do you define it, and and why do you think that's the most important to you?
0: Yeah, man, this is a, a, a always a good question. Even though by always, I, we've we've asked it twice, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I I think it's gonna be a really good question for all of our guests moving forward. So. Right. Man, it's the, and it's so hard because what when we talk about these things and you, you probably caught on to and I think we mentioned it a little bit in the first episode. But all of the, these five skills, intentionality, discipline, emotional intelligence, accountability and loyalty, they all tie together. You really have to be all five in order to be one. So they're all extremely important. But if I had to pick one thing it would be discipline. And we look at discipline, so doing what needs to get done in order to achieve the results that you want, regardless of how you feel, right? And many people confuse discipline and motivation. People used to ask me that all the time how do you stay so motivated to work? I was like, I'm not motivated. I don't, I don't want to do this stuff. And Randy, you talked about that. It's like, I don't want to read every single day. I don't want to stretch every single day. I don't, I I don't want to do these. I would much rather eat ice cream and (laughs) go to the lake and go fishing, but there's stuff that needs to get done. If I want to continue to live my life by design. So, and not only that, but discipline we talk about as the backbone of these five skills, because if you're not disciplined, Then you're not going to be emotionally intelligent you're not going to approach things with the right intent you're not going to remember to be loyal to the things that you have going on in your life and and you're not going to remember to balance your loyalty because that's a tough one too And you're not going, if you're not disciplined, I'll tell you what, you're not going to hold yourself accountable because those two are very, very closely tied together in order to, that's the the hardest thing is to hold yourself accountable. It's easy for me when Randy messes up or Brian messes up, it's easy for me to call them out on that. Right. It's a lot harder to look in the mirror and say, Hey, you messed up. You should have done better. Now you need to take action and take ownership in order to fix it. Right. But again, without discipline, you're not going to do any of those things. So I personally think that's the most important one. I think it's a skill that is transferable across so many different things, whether you're training jujitsu, whether you're being a parent, whether you're being a leader, whether you're being an employee, discipline will get you through when many other things can't. So I think that's a big one. And again, Shout out to somebody that we look up to greatly, Jocko Willink, because Just really equals freedom. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like I think jo- David Goggins book took it to uh, another level for me. But really, it all started with Jocko, his podcast, his books and the words that he says. And and really, like, you know, we have to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, too, because, you know, we easily could have read those things or listened to those words and then done nothing with it. So. Not only do you have to do all these things, you have to you have, you have to surround yourself with the right people. You have to listen to the right things, learn from the right things. And then most importantly, you have to take ownership of it and actually take action and do it because knowledge with knowledge without action is completely useless. So for our listeners
2: out there that they're looking to get more discipline in their lives, like what advice would you give them to get them started on, on the right track with that?
0: Yeah. I think discipline, you know, first, first of all, we all have some level of all five of these skills. Like everybody has these in them somewhere, right? It might be one little thing and you might not have a ton of it, but you have some of it. So that's the first thing. So recognize where you are disciplined and focus on that strength. It's like, okay, Well, why am I disciplined in that area? So really dissect it, get deep, have that deep conversation with yourself and then ask other people too. like talk to other people. Hey, like I don't look at myself as a very disciplined person or I am a pretty disciplined person, but I know I can be better and have other people that are close to you that know you tell you, well, I think you do this right and tell them it's a safe space. Like make them comfortable with giving you this feedback because, again, a lot of people aren't right. So that's step number one is recognize where you currently shine with discipline. Right. And then figure out why. All right. And then start small in other areas. Right. So a lot of people now we talked about a little bit, but people walk around dehydrated constantly and it takes discipline to drink water when right all the time when there are so many other things. I love coffee. Right. Brian used to love pop. I used to love energy drinks. (laughs) We all got multiple water
1: receptacles.
0: (laughs) So it takes discipline because there are so many other things that you could drink that are better tasting and that, you know, maybe it's beer and you get a little buzz off of it. You don't get that from water. Right. So start small. If you know that you should be drinking a gallon and a half of water and you're drinking no water or very little. I mean, I know people that have (laughs) gone; they don't drink water. It's crazy. Like, I don't know how they do it. But okay. well, if you try to drink a gallon and a half of water every day and you're not drinking any right now, you're probably not going to be able to do that, right? Or you wouldn't be in this place. So start small. We'll start drinking a quarter of a gallon of water a day. And then in a month, add another quarter and make it a half, right? And just build on those. So take very small steps and build on those things. And then once you've established this habit of discipline and doing things that you don't necessarily want to do you're going to be able to apply that across the board to so many other things in your life and then whatever it is that you define success as because that's different for everybody right some people look at success as making 10 million dollars a year some people look at success as being able to get up and go and do whatever they want any day of the week and they live out of their their truck you know or they have one of those like sweet camper vans and stuff like that you know, so whatever it is, you're going to need to be disciplined in order to achieve whatever it is that you think is success in one way or another. So, you know, again, dig deep, figure out where you currently are disciplined at and then take small steps to improve it across the board in other areas of your life. And don't take on too much at the same time. Pick one thing, get a little bit better at that. Once you've mastered that, pick the next thing, get a little bit a little bit better at that. And the other thing, too, is don't be too hard on yourself like we all slack or slip when it comes to discipline. We all make mistakes. We all make errors. Focus on growth and getting better and not perfection because you're never going to be perfect. It's just never going to happen. And if you if you set your goal as being perfect, you are guaranteed to fail and that's going to start a whole nother problem.
2: That's good advice. I mean, the small steps thing is huge because too many people try to like do a complete overhaul of their life, and they're like, "This is too hard," and they just give up. So the small steps thing—just start with one thing. If you want to drink more water, drink more water. Once you get that down, then you can move on to the next thing, which is like I'm doing this discipline reset right now. So I have like a a list of things that I'm trying to achieve every day, and. Like we, I think we've all done or seen seventy-five hard. And if you if you slip up on seventy-five hard, you're supposed to go back to day one and start over. Well, that's defeating. I mean, it's a challenge for a reason, but that's super defeating. And people are like, "Well, I'm not gonna start over. That's gonna suck. I don't want to do this again." With with the discipline reset. At the end of the day, you're going to reflect on how you did. You're going to journal and be like, okay, well, maybe I could have done this better, but I did this really well. So you're not starting completely over. You're focusing on progress, looking at what you could do better, and then fixing it hopefully for the next day.
0: Yeah. 100% great advice. And that's the same thing with all of these skills, right? Like try to be a little bit more intentional. Try to be a little bit more emotionally intelligent. And when you make a mistake, reflect on it, learn from it, take ownership of it, take action, get better. Own it. Own it. Agreed, hundred percent, hundred percent, Brian. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our interview, right? Yeah, episode two is complete. And the so, books. so since I'm, I'm, I, I'm the interviewee in this episode, I, Randy. Take us away. How do, how do you connect with Ideal Impact Podcast? Or if maybe I'm interested in. Some mindset coaching on the ideal skills. How do I get in touch with us?
2: Oh, you can hit us up on so many avenues of social media that we just talked about how you shouldn't be on so much. Yeah, but uh. but we're being intentional. <laughs> but if you're being intentional, you're trying to improve your life, then it's right, then it's
0: okay. It's okay,
2: no, yeah, it's okay in that aspect of it. So on Facebook, we're, we're the ideal underscore you're gonna have to say (laughs) i was waiting for him to totally fuck it up i'm I'm like that's why i smiled.
0: i'm not editing any of this shit out this was this was good i don't remember all yeah so on instagram we're at ideal underscore un. wait shit now i messed it up so we're at ideal underscore impact underscore podcast on facebook we're just the ideal impact podcast On LinkedIn, we're the Ideal Impact Podcast. We now have a YouTube channel. So that's the Ideal Impact Podcast, which is on YouTube again. And then we also have a Twitter, which we don't do a great job of manning yet. But
2: we're we're at Impact underscore Ideal on that one. So it's fast
0: and soon we're going to have a website where you can connect with us directly as well and then you can avoid the need to go on social media and you can practice your discipline with your social media use by (laughs) by connecting with us directly on the on the website so that's coming soon um but yeah no we're super super happy thank you for everybody who's out there who's listening watching giving us feedback because we're always looking to improve and get better and again It's all about the progress and the growth. This is never going to be perfect, but we love hearing from everybody. And don't forget, we have a monthly call. So it's one Tuesday every month. We post the date as soon as we decide on a date. But it's a Tuesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. It is called the Ideal Connect call. It gives you an opportunity to connect with us directly on a Zoom call. We get to be on camera and have great, deep conversations around these skills. And again, some issues that are going on with society, what you have going on in your life and how we can hopefully help you. And I'm sure you can help us as well, because we get a lot out of those calls, in both, you know, giving and receiving information and knowledge. So thanks for anybody, everybody again, for listening. Thanks for everything for, or excuse me, and thanks for the support, um, you know, through this journey that we have going on. Yeah.